once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. The answer seems obvious to me, but you aren't getting it, no matter how many different ways I say it. So what do I tell you to do? Do the math. We hear this in life all the time, from political issues to everyday interactions, with the implication that if we'll only do the math, we'll come to the right conclusion. Lead teacher Randy Pope brings us this Christmas Eve message entitled Christmas Math, which covers Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Thank you for joining us today. What a great night tonight. Kids, I said this is going to be for you. It always is. Not just you, but it is certainly including you. And so let me give you the title of my message. It's entitled Christmas Math. Now, just using the word math is probably getting me off on a wrong foot because I know that math and children always don't go hand in hand. There's not always an agreeable, desired love for math. But I was a math major. Some of you are aware of that. And as a math major, I at least used to know a lot about math. I have forgotten far more than I could ever use right now. But I do know something about math, and we're going to go to the most simple of simple math, and we're going to view Christmas from a math perspective, all right? Now, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to, um, I'm going to give you three signs, kids. Now, let me tell you what a sign is. In math, you often use signs instead of words, and a sign actually points toward the words that it means. But instead of having to write out those words, you simply use a sign. Now, there are going to be three signs that we will use tonight, and you need to learn these. I'm going to explain why in a minute. There'll be a little opportunity for some reward coming, okay? So I'm going to put them up on the screen and show you these three signs that we will use, all right? First of all, number one, inequality sign. And this sign here, an equal with a slash through it, Many of you young kids would even know this. That means it is not equal. Whatever is on both sides of that sign are not equal to one another. All right? There's a second sign, which is going to be the greater than sign. And that is a little sideways V. And whatever is on the left side, the big side of that, that is the larger. And whatever is on the right side is the smaller. Everybody knows that, right? All right, now we have one more, the simplest of all. Number three is the equal sign, the equal sign. Here's the equal sign. Everybody knows it. Now, here's going to be a little test, as simple as you can get in math, to make sure the youngest of our kids here maybe are getting this, okay? So I'm going to give you a little test. All right, I'm put the first up. The answer is going to be either the number one or two. You tell me. We're going to learn the use of these signs. Let's put the first up. One does not equal, and the answer can be one or two. Kids only, 10 and under, tell me, what is the number? One is not equal to two. All right, we got that. Second one, two is greater than what? One, and one is equal to what? One. Thank you, kids. Your parents probably didn't know the answer, so thank you for helping out. It's a good beginning. Now... With that, we're going to make this a simple Christmas story, and we're going to make it through the idea of three of these signs. Now, the link between these signs, or the signs link words between them that we're going to use, 
are going to be a means for learning the Christmas story, understanding what's really behind the story. So kids, if you can remember these three uses of sign and what they're representing, you're going to understand the Christmas story. Here's how it's going to work. I'm going to give you three mathematical realities, I'll call them, things that are real, viewed through math, that are going to help us learn and understand and even remember the Christmas story. And so I'm going to put those three up for you right now. Here they are. This is what you're going to need to remember, kids, and there will be a reward coming if you can. Ten and under, I'll explain the reward in a minute. First, we need to remember that good is not good enough. Good is not good enough. Number two, righteous is greater than good. Righteous, greater than good. Number three, righteous is good enough. Righteous is good enough. Now, in a short while, I'm going to invite up three kids. I have a plan for getting which three kids up here. At that time, those that are 6 through 10 years of age can be chosen to come up here. And if you can remember those and give me some idea of what they mean, then I'm going to give the one who does $10, okay? So you're going to get $10 if you can get that. Now, I know there's about a dozen or 20 or 30 or so parents that are disgusted at me for doing this. You're saying, you're using bribes and you're not supposed to do that. Sorry, we're doing it, okay? (laughs) And I'm going to also put it on the parents of those that don't get called up here, as I do every year, to say, hey, please cooperate. If they can do it for you, then you give them a reward as well. Because not everyone can be called up here. You would never believe the number of kids that come to me through the years and say, I remember from five years ago, and they give me word for word what it was. I had somebody that came up just recently and said, I remember last year's, and I had no clue what last year's was. I couldn't remember for life nor money, but they knew it very, very well. I'm going to make even a greater offer. Kids, if you're 12 years of age, I mean, you're, you're 10 or under now, when you're 12, so maybe you're 6 now or 7, when you hit 12, if you're 10 now, you hit 12, if I'm still around and, and have a brain, can remember and know what I'm saying and so forth, if I'm cognitive and so forth, then here's what I want to do. I want to tell you now, I will give you a special gift. If you can come up when you're 12 and you can tell me, here is the math equations. All right? So let's do it real quick. Let's get through it. By the way, the first one is going to be the most time given to it. So if you hear me go through one, we take seven or eight, nine minutes on it. Know this, the last two are just very, very, very short. Then we'll bring the kids up here. Okay? Let's go. Number one, we said good is not good enough. If you were to survey the adherents of any of the world religions outside of Christianity, and you were to ask them, what is it that's required in order to go to heaven? You would hear some kind of description of you have to be 
good enough? That would be the answer. If you were to ask many people who are at least calling themselves Christians, would say, I'm not of any other faith, I would probably lean toward the Christian faith. And you were to ask them, hey, how do you think, how do you think somebody gets to heaven? You'd be amazed to see how many of them are going to come back to something of the likeness of you have to be good enough. It's generally accepted by the world. If you're not good enough, you perish. If you're good enough, you go to heaven and live forever. That's the world belief today. However, it's not actually the truth. In fact, Christmas confirmed the reality. The Christmas story confirmed the reality of the most devastating news ever given to mankind. It really is. And that is that good is not good enough. Each of us here probably have memories as kids of parents, of a coach, of a teacher, somebody that was important to us. And I'm telling you, good could just not be enough. It was never good enough. I read just this week the story of a, of a young girl who sent an email to a ministry, a Christian ministry that, that was kind of given itself to family ministry. I guess they thought, here's a place I can get an answer about family. And this is what this young girl wrote. Can you help me deal with my mom who is always putting me down? Nothing I do is ever good enough for her. My room is never clean enough. My grades are never high enough. My friends seem to always be a bad influence. And my hair and clothes are always an embarrassment to my family. There are moments when this gets me so depressed that I wonder, why was I ever born? At other times, I get so mad that I want to do something just to aggravate her. What should I do? I bet many of us, even as adults, are recalling those people that pushed us into the environment of nothing ever seems good enough. Good is never, never good enough. We have a a child that, when he was young, played on a basketball team and, and had a coach. Good was never good enough. And we watched this talented group of young men out there playing basketball during their games, and they knew that when you shot... Even when open and you missed the shot, then you'd be pulled out and they'd put a substitute in there and then you'd keep going in and out. You miss a shot, you come out. You make a shot, you stay in. Until finally they're just all throwing the ball around. Nobody wanted to shoot. Why? Because they know that good is not good enough. I'll try my best. I'll take an open shot. But, but if I miss, it's not going to be good enough. Not with my coach. One man from rural Georgia, what he says... I had teachers who said I was not good enough. So I said, I will become good enough. So I became this guy who became obsessed to become good enough. You would all know who he is, Herschel Walker. You hear his life story and your heart breaks. He lived in an environment 
that good is not good enough, which is a destructive and devastating. It leaves negative consequences. Now, on the other hand, there are great, great benefits to an environment where good, your best effort, is good enough. Uh, many of us know those environments. I lived in that environment. I had parents, I'd come home with a, maybe a bad grade, and they'd say, hey, do you give your best on that? i said, yeah, I did my best on that. Good enough for me. That's all you can do. That's all we ask. Just do your best. Whatever that comes out, that's okay. We believe you. But if I said, well, it was an A, but it wasn't my best, he said, well, I'm not, very, I'm not that thrilled with the A if you didn't give it your best, but just give it your best. That's all I'm asking. That was such a good environment. And many of us know those conditions of environments where good is good enough and how great it is. So here's the big question, kids. I've kind of brought it to a head here. The big question has got to be this. If we commend earthly parents and coaches and teachers for the fact that they present an environment that says good is good enough, shouldn't we expect equal, if not even more, from our Heavenly Father? But the reality is the Christmas story, as attractive as we may craft it, in reality, delivers a devastating blow. It does. Because, kids, do you know what the Christmas story says? The Christmas story is saying our first truth, we've got to remember, good is not good enough. You've got to remember that. Good is not good enough. Now, before I move to the last two points, which I'm going to put together and close out real quickly, but before I do, let me just simply say this. Let me explain why that is. Why with our parents and others we say, hey, that's so wonderful. With God we say, well, look what you've done. You don't give us that environment that says good is good enough. You ever wonder why that is? The reason maybe comes to be understood as we realize Messiah, which was the promised deliverer who Jesus was, Messiah was anticipated for centuries. And I'm telling you, People were so excited. The Jewish people were saying, hey, Messiah, he, he's probably coming soon. Hey, this could be a sign of the Messiah. Messiah is going to deliver us from all our problems. Ooh, can't wait for Messiah. And everybody's anticipating Messiah. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus comes doing the very things that they expect of a Messiah. I mean, miracles and all kind of things and an incredibly gracious, wonderful. I mean, everybody was just amazed with his character and everything else. And so, Wow. He's given a nickname. We have it in John 1. And the nickname is the Word. In John chapter 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You scoot down another few verses. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory and His grace and His truth. So you think, well, wow, that's great. Then here's Messiah. Do you know right there in that same chapter, it then says this, he came to his own, Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. You know why? Now, here's the reason. Because he made it very, very clear, good is not good enough. You know, he came up to a, a guy who was talking to him, and, uh, and he said, look, this happened to be one of the finest people of society of that day, of the Jewish people. And this is what he said. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, 
you will not see the kingdom of heaven. That would be like you hearing somebody say to you, by the way, unless your righteousness surpasses the best pastors in your church and in the community that you exist, then you won't go to heaven. You've got to be far beyond where they are. And they heard that and they said, no, we do not want you. See, the reality is that Jesus says goodness is not only not enough. It's, it's not only not an advantage. The Bible teaches us that it's a liability. Did you know that? A liability, kids, means something that kind of pulls against you. It's a liability. Good people are separated from God, not, not in spite of their goodness, but actually because of their goodness. Some of you have been around this church the last weeks, and we've been teaching on this in the book of Romans, that good people are not worse people. Obviously not. But they're actually worse off people because they don't know that good is not good enough. So the answer, why? Why is it parents and so forth, but not God? Why is that? And the reason is because it's man's way to tell God, I'll do it my way. I can be my own savior. I don't need you for salvation. Or maybe let me put it this way. Why can't God be as good as a good parent, so to speak? It's because we're using the wrong analogy. Kids, I want you to think of it this way. Imagine, what if a child gave his or her best effort at being irresponsible and disobedient? What if you went to your parents, kids, and said, Mom and Dad, this year, this is what I want to promise you. New year, I just want to make a new resolution. I'm going to give my very, very, very best effort to be disobedient all the time. Do you think they'd say, oh, I love your great intention to be as good as you can possibly be at being disobedient? No, you'd say, that's no good. Well, that's what humanity is actually guilty of. We are being good but we're being good at doing the wrong things and we're being good at doing even good things for the wrong reason. So, the reality is, it's a devastating reality. Good is not good enough. You got that, kids? Let's just repeat it and then we'll close this out with the last two real quick points. Let's say it together three times. Kids only, okay? Kids, good is not good enough. We're going to say it a second time now, just to remember this. Good is not good enough. And number three, good is not good enough. You got it? Good. All right, let's look at number two and three. We'll do it together. It's so quick. Righteous is greater than good. And what's number three? Righteous equals good enough. There's a text in Romans chapter 3, and it says, There are none righteous, no, not one. There are none righteous, no, not one. Now, there's the problem. And the Christmas story is delivering the bad news that, hey, it's putting an exclamation point on it. Hey, good is not good enough. But what it is saying is this. There is a way to have righteousness. And righteousness is greater than goodness. And kids, listen to this. Righteousness is good enough. If you can remember those three realities, 
you're going to come a long way in understanding the Christian story. You see, the Christmas story has great hope. It delivers a devastating message, but it also has a message of great hope, and that is you can be good enough. I'm going to put three scriptures up. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. It goes like this. Jesus Christ, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. So the Christmas story says, okay, good's not good enough, but, but, there's a thing called righteousness. And righteousness is greater than goodness. And guess what? Righteousness is good enough. And so these last two verses kind of explain it. 1 Peter 2, 24. And he himself, Jesus, why was he born? To bear our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin. And look what it says. Live to righteousness. For by his wounds we were healed. And then 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, God, the Father, made him Christ, his son, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. And look what it says, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What's the result of righteousness? Good enough. Good enough. So now, you've heard the Christmas story through the math realities, mathematical realities. It's the Christmas story. I'm going to say something now to you kids. Kids, I'm telling you this. These little formulas that you've just heard. You're going to walk in among your kids or friends that are kids. And you young people, your kids, you're going to have friends as you grow up. You become a youth and then a young adult. And you're going to find out people are not going to believe this math. They're going to say this is bad math. You know what they're going to say? They're going to say good is good enough. And I think I'm good enough. But you'll know something that says, no, 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 I don't think that's true. You're going to find people who don't want to believe that good is not good enough because they say, these are my dearest of friends. These are special, wonderful people. And if, if the Christian story is true, then it says that, that their goodness is not good enough. And I don't want to think that of my dearest of friends. You're going to be amazed how many people are going to say of themselves, you know what, I think I'm good enough. I think I'm as good as other people. Therefore, I'm good enough. I want you always to remember, kids, I want you to remember that day that you were here this afternoon, you were in this church, and you heard a little math formula, and it said good is not good enough. And then always go back to say, no, it's righteousness. And know this about righteousness. Goodness is something we create in us. And it's done by self. It's called self-righteousness. It's repulsive to God. Righteousness, we don't take credit for. It's something God does to us, making us righteous. He sends his son into our hearts. And we become his children and we're made righteous by the fact that we know we're not good enough. Kids, never, never forget that. 
You that are seekers here. Seekers, let me tell you, don't, don't buy the lie of society today. And society is going to tell you good is good enough. Religions are going to support that. They're going to say good is good enough. But you've got to know this. It's not good enough. It's only something he does for you and to you, giving us his righteousness. So some of you as adults, you remember Jim Collins. He's a, a noted writer in the business world. And he wrote a book, Good to Great. And he followed companies that went from good to great over about a 16-year period. And he's found about five things that were true of all of them. There weren't that many. But there were five things true of all of them. You know what one of them was? They confronted the brutal facts. And let me tell you, seeker, until you and I are willing to say, I'm going to confront the brutal fact, I may be good, but I'm not good enough. And that's when you start looking for the righteousness of God. And that's when your righteousness is good enough. And then lastly, to all of us here that are Christians, we're walking into this Christmas as a believing people, maybe as a single, maybe as a family. Can I suggest to you that this particular Christmas, when you open those gifts, that every time you open a gift, just in your mind, thank God for the gift of his righteousness. Why don't you as a family, why don't you gather for just a minute and just thank God for the greatest gift of his son and because of his son coming to become man that we can become righteous, as righteous as Jesus. And as a result, we're going to be able to know that right now, even though our goodness is not as good as we'd like it to be, that our God looks on us and he says, I see you clothed in my righteousness clothed in my righteousness. And then when we die, we'll stand before God and we would think we would stand ashamed because of our sin. We won't. But he's going to look on us and he's going to see his son's righteousness, not our goodness. It's not good enough. And he'll see that righteousness and he'll say, I see you and treat you for all eternity because I see you clothed in my son's righteousness. I'm going to ask Laura to come out. We're going to stay seated. We're going to sing two verses, Christ the solid rock. And I hope this is going to underscore for all of us our memory of these great truths that come out of this song. Just two verses. Kids, when you hear that song in the future, remember the little formulas, okay? Now let's do this. Let's have a little fun to close out, play a little game. I need somebody very, very close. Is either six or seven. You don't have to know the answers, but just somebody to help me. Do we have a six or seven-year-old that's right here? Okay, I see one right here. Would you come out real quickly? Come on out real quickly. Good. And I'm going to let you help me because we need to pick three people out of here, and I get in more trouble at how I pick people because it's not fair to so-and-so and so-and-so. So what's your name? Come, let, me get, let me get this microphone for you first. All right. So what is your name? Shiloh. Shiloh. All right. Turn around. Good. Shiloh, how old are you? Um, eight. Eight. All right, well, let's just, let's just learn a little math here. Eight is greater than six or seven, okay? But I'm going to let you get away with it because you are such a precious little girl, okay? Would her parents please raise their hands, please? Let me see. Mm-hmm. 
And he was shoving her out, too. I don't, I don't, there's no money, I promise you, not for the first one. Okay, so anyway, all right, here's what we're going to do. I want you to pick a month of the year, just one month. December. All right, December, all right. Now pick a number between 1 and 31. Nine. Nine. Is there anybody here that's six through ten that feels like you would know the three equations there that would say, I would like to come up and answer the question. I can need three people. If you raise your hand, if you have a December the 9th birthday, let's say a December birthday. I'm going to have to look pretty close here because I want to do this quickly. December. All right. Here, and, it's, and it's six till. Uh, all right. All right. We got one here. One. Do we have another December all right, let's, do we see another one? All right, got another one? All right, bring another one right here. Come on up. Do we have one more? All right, got one in the balcony. Got one in the balcony? Do we? Do you see somebody? Are they coming? This is the hardest part of my entire year of ministry right here, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, actually, this is fun. All right, here's what we're going to do. First of all, thank you for helping us. And because you were so sweet to come up and help, I'm going to give you a little gift of $5, okay? That is a gift, not a bribe, okay? Thank you very much. All right. I need to get... Come on down here real quickly. All right. Come on down. All right, y'all just line up right here. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to tell me your name and age, okay? Let's go real quickly. Asher. Just one name or you got two? Um, One's enough, okay. And how old are you? Six and a... Six, all right, six years old. Asher and... I'm Hudson and I'm ten. Hudson, ten. Benji, nine. Benji, nine. Very, very good. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you... One of these to draw. I want you just to pull one of them. Hold on to it. All right, turn it over and tell me what number. It should be a one, two, or three. Who has a one? One, all right? You're going to be contestant number one, all right? And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity to give us these three. So come right over here. You can look here at the screen, and we're going to see if you're accurate, okay? And if you miss, then number two is going to come up and take your place. If number two misses, the number three will come up, okay? And we're going to see if you can remember. Can you remember the three different signs and the words that go with them? Do you know those? All right, what's number one? goes right here in the first. What will be the first? Um, do. Um, good is not good enough. All right, good is not good enough. Give them a hand. There you go. All right. So you... You're right there. Good is not good enough. All right, let's go to number two. Um, righteous is good enough. Righteous is what? Good enough. Okay. Nope, not quite. So let's who's number two. All right, come on up here. Good job, though. You got one of them right. Very good. All right. Number two. Uh. You got to see this face. Turn around. All right. Now. You know it? Okay, so we'll let number three come up. You think you know it? All right. Righteousness is greater than good. Righteousness greater than good. All right. Let's see. That's good. And the last, and the last one? Righteous equals good enough. Righteous good enough. Very, very good. All right. 
All right, so I'm going to give you $10, okay? I'm going to give you five and you five for being such great helpers, okay? Thank you very, very much, all right? Now, kids, go home, and I want you to look up, ask your parent what the word negotiate means, okay? And I want you to negotiate with your parents. And here's what I want you guys to do. Have a discussion. What does that mean, that good is not good enough? And maybe why not? And just rehearse it through those little signs and keep it going through the year. Because let me tell you, parents, if there's anything, if you know Christ, that you want your kids to know, it's that good is not good enough. Righteous is greater than good. And righteous is good enough. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for a good night here and these many kids that hear a a Christmas story maybe in a little different way. But we pray to be memorable for a lifetime. We pray for these young ones that they may come to know you very, very young in life. And we pray our Father as well for those that are among us just trying to seek to put together the Christian life and understand it. God, may they see your great love from Calvary's cross and come to know you in a real way. For all of us on Christmas that are your children, Father, we pray that this year would be more about an appreciation for the gift of your righteousness than any other single thing. Grant it, we pray, and we thank you. In the great name of Christ, our Savior, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.